on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little What's Going On. Big thanks to the title sponsor of the big show. That would be Big O. Big O Tires. Save up to $150 off Pirelli, Nitto, or Toyo Tires now through April 4th at your locally owned and operated Big O Tires. All right, Gordo, you ready to check in with the other guys on the station? Uh, yeah. I'm always looking forward to this particular segment. Awesome. All right, let's start things off with DJ and PK talking BYU basketball in the season that was. Familiar ending for the BYU basketball team. Evaluate the season. People lining up after the Cougars' first-round loss. Kurt says 12-day layoff was not good. They looked out of sync from the start. They didn't have the caliber of athlete necessary to compete with UCLA. They also didn't have a consistent second or third score. What they do have is a good coach with a lot of promise. Hopefully, he learned a lot about what it takes to win a tournament game and can prepare slash develop additional scorers who can be reliable in tournaments. And there it is. They don't have a consistent second or third score. You know, the 12-day layoff, you know, that isn't good. More teams would have 12-day layoffs if it was good. But in the West Coast Conference, what are you going to do about that? Nothing. You're going to have more layoffs before the NCAA tournament. Uh, be Gonzaga and don't let it bother you. Have the second or third score and overcome it. If you've got three or four scores and one's off, it's not a big deal. But this is a team that was uh, had some droughts in regular season games, and we saw it again in the tournament. And I thought the shots were there, but they just couldn't make them. Well, shots are always going to be there. I mean, I don't know that there's going to be a team that's going to eliminate shots. and I haven't seen that good of a defensive team there that's going to be able to do all that. Uh, they've got to get better players. I mean, that's simple as that. Grayson says WCC is not a great conference. It's the Zags and some also-rans. It's kind of throwing in the towel. You can never win. Yeah, what's the conference have anything to do with it? When they were in the whack in the Mountain West, were they regularly going to the Sweet 16 or the round of 32? No, they were not. So who cares about the conference? The round of 32, uh, 1993, and then not again until Jimmer. Yeah. Couple with Jimmer. So Right. So, yeah, when two Sweet 16s in 30 years when you had the player of the year. Uh they're, the the way that Mark Pope is building the program gives me hope for promise, hope for, for hope for Pope. That's my where I'm going there because he's moving away from the traditional uh, recruiting base that is the return missionary. They, let's call it like it is the Caucasian return missionary, and uh, that's the strength of your team. That's what it's built on, and that's nice. And that can win you some games in the regular season and maybe even occasionally beat Gonzaga. But it's not going to get you anywhere in the postseason. I mean, they've the, sh- the two times they've gone to the Sweet 16 in the last 40 years were not built on uh, the strength of return missionaries, right? Jimmer and Ainge. 
And in Ainge's day, I, I don't think they even had that many to begin with. Times have changed since then. Uh, and obviously, Jimmer did not go. And so move away from that because that's not a formula that's going to get you anywhere in the NCAA tournament. It just isn't. I mean, it's, it's, you can argue with me all you want, but then I'm not a numbers dude, but I do have an overwhelming amount of evidence. So move away from that. And that's what Pope is doing, clearly. You look at the guys that he's bringing in. I mean, they started uh, four transfers and five, if you consider Loner first uh, signed with Utah. I wouldn't consider him a real transfer in that he never played for the Utes. And he's a rebounding machine. So, as I understand it, he's not interested in going on a mission. For the basketball program, that's good. Because I think the mission's to really wreak havoc, as my old uh, mentor in basketball would say. And with that in mind, continue to mine that transfer portal and get guys in here. And even if it's for one or two years. I mean, certainly Barcelo was worth it. There's no question Barcelo was worth it. Barcelo was definitely worth it. The question is, how many Barcelos can they get? I guess the first question is, how many Barcelos are there in the transfer window? And then the second question is, how many of those Barcelos can they get? Because he was the guy who did show up. He was the guy who hit shots, and the moment wasn't too big for him. And he was splitting double teams and going down the lane and shooting He's mentally tough. Yeah. Love the kid. Love what he displayed. Tony says the moment was too big. They literally lost the game in the first 10 minutes. They couldn't shoot themselves out of a wet paper bag. Barcelo showed up, but the rest not so much. Disappointing, to say the least. Okay. Disappointing, sure, if you thought you were going to win. I guess if you went by seed. But it reminded me, the seed reminded me of Boylan's seed when he was seeded fifth. And the Cats, Wildcats from Arizona, I think they went down to Florida and just hammered him. And they were seated 12th. And to me, it was obvious from the moment the uh, pairings were announced who was going to win. Arizona had a couple of uh, NBA players and Hill and Buttinger on that team. And I don't think the Utah had any. Buttinger, who's now launched a successful beach volleyball career, got his name on the pier, Manhattan Beach. Uh, about three years ago, he won that tournament. Get your name on the pier with Casey Patterson as his partner, who's a BYU grad. Walk the pier, people. The names are all there. There's a lot of history. Plus, it's a pier on a clear day. You can't really go wrong. (laughs) Casey Patterson, who married Lexi Brown, who played volleyball at BYU and went to Jordan High School. all comes full circle. Back to the hood. There it is. All right, DJ, that was DJ and PK talking about the Cougs. Um, I do agree with PK on the wider net theory. I, I think that's advantageous for, for Pope to, to cast a wider net. The hard part is is they have to uh, be willing to, to live those standards at BYU. I think you know, BYU is always going to have return missionaries, and that's always going to be a part of the culture. Where I agree with PK is it doesn't have to be the entire culture. Right. I, I think right. there are basketball players out there that are willing to come to BYU and, and live that standard to have success on the floor. And why wouldn't you want to uh, turn over every stone you could find to, f- to find those players that will come, come in and contribute regardless of their missionary status? Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent, Jake. It's a mix. It's a mix. You can utilize. There are good players who are return missionaries. And uh, you don't have to go completely away from that. But certainly 
find these other guys who can help your team win and who fit in nicely. That's one thing that Pope was talking about after the Cougars lost. He was talking about the relationships on the team and how the team came together uh, to, and that, that was so important for them to perform as, as well as they could. And, uh, yeah, as a mix of guys. And so you can do that. BYU can do that and succeed with it. Um, and I also, But I also agree with PK in saying they're just not good enough. I mean, last year's team may have been good enough. You and I have talked a lot about that, that that team, I believe that team was really, really good. I covered that game down in the Marriott Center against Gonzaga. Gonzaga was a good team. BYU beat that team. I think they could have. Uh, made some real headway in the tournament last year. But uh, this year, uh, no, they, they just uh, – I agree with some of those things that uh, DJ was reading. They they just weren't good enough, and they weren't prepared. And that that's not ripping BYU, folks. I got a, I, I got a tweet here from uh, Cameron. He says, I've only regularly listened to the Zone Sportsnet for a couple of years. Can anyone tell me if Gordon Monson's hatred for BYU – has always existed. No, I don't hate BYU. I just look and see what happened. They weren't good enough, and they weren't prepared enough to be able to take on that team. That's just telling the truth. There's no hatred. Are you kidding me? I mean, the BYU, if that team last year I think had gotten in, that team was mentally tough enough to be able to win, and they were talented enough overall to be able to win in the tournament. This team, not so much, because you only had two or three guys who would even look at the basket to shoot. So that that tells you that there's a condition there. Uh, 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 well, an, uh, an equation of of condition and talent that was absent uh, to be able to, to play with a team like the Bruins. So anyway, I, I do believe that Pope is a good coach, and I think he has the right mentality to an open-mindedness to find players who will be able to exist at BYU, Jake, like you were talking about, get along with the guys who are the return missionaries and blend them together in a way that that team can do better than it did this year. I never thought this year's team was as good as last year's team. Not even close. I, I thought this year's team was a tournament team. I think they, they proved that sufficiently in the regular season. But, I mean, basketball programs go through ebbs and flows, and honestly, the program didn't take near the, as big a step back as I thought. I thought this would be an ebb year for BYU. And they, in my opinion, they overachieved for my standards. I mean, obviously – Rational minds can agree or disagree uh, on that, but I didn't expect them to be nearly as good this year as they were last year. Yeah, uh, I did not either. And uh, But they hung in there, and they, they played pretty well for what they had. They did beat San Diego State and Utah State. I mean, those were – they yeah. beat St. John's. Who else? Is that uh, – they beat St. Mary's. I mean, they had some nice wins. It was a good team. Yeah, it was a good – it was better – it was a better team than I thought they'd be. It was it was a typical good BYU team, which isn't quite good enough. Last year's team was a really, really good team that I believe could have made the Sweet 16, depending on the matchups, of course. But that was that was a terrific team they had a year ago. Yeah, but I don't think anybody would have predicted Sweet 16 for this team. No, because, I mean, think about, as we were talking about the players who were ready to go, who did not look intimidated, Barcelo tough-minded kid um and think about if yoli childs had been in that game you know i mean that that changes everything right there 
But. Yeah, because he was he was a really good player. Yeah, not to mention the other guys too. And maybe I mean, those other guys this year for BYU, I'm, I'm sure they didn't play like they wanted to against UCLA, but maybe they had a bad game. Yeah, they weren't hot when they needed to be hot. Right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm getting at. Uh, by the way, speaking of that UCLA team, they're smoking uh, Abilene Christian 65-41 to 41 right now with about a minute 43 left to go in the game. So, and Do you think the Longhorns are sitting there slamming their heads against the wall going, what did we do? How did we do that? Why did we do that? Probably. And me sitting here today still thinks that Texas is a better team than Abilene Christian. <laughs> All right, then you go ahead and satisfy yourself. Doesn't way. seem like that big of a reach to me. But anyway, here we are. Uh, so we'll keep you up to date on that and the other games uh, as they're beginning. Uh, let's see what game is actually starting next, and then we'll move on to uh, to Hanson Scotty here. We've got uh, Michigan LSU just underway, uh, that game. And then let's see, Colorado-Florida State after that, starting at 545. So there's your NCAA tournament action. Let's, uh, let's move on to Hans and Scotty G here on What's Going On. They talked about what kind of impact LeBron's injury could have on the season. The Nets have now become the favorite to win the NBA championship as LeBron James went down with a high ankle sprain for the Los Angeles Lakers. So now you've got LeBron James who's out with this high ankle sprain. And and I don't know. I've had a high ankle sprain. Um, I was, it was six weeks for me before I could put weight, really put weight back on it. Are you six weeks? It was six weeks. Wow. That it was a really, really bad one. It's, I, I would put that high ankle sprain that I had up there in the top three injuries I've ever suffered in my life. No kidding. It was and so And you were, you bad. were, uh, you're pretty blessed in terms of injuries. Yeah. I think I've, I may have only had three injuries in my, my <laughs> whole playing life. Um, it, but it was, it was bad. And it did. It took me six weeks before I could really. Post on it, put weight on it, feel comfortable on it. But it took me eight months to feel normal. Jeez. And depending on the severity of the high ankle sprain, it could be pretty serious for LeBron, or it could be three weeks, and he'll be back doing his thing. But I think it's something that's going to hamper him the rest of the season. And Anthony Davis, who knows, every time this calf tightness or – this tendinosis that he's dealing with in his right leg and has been dealing it with now for over a month. Anthony Davis has been dealing with this, and we've all talked about this. Like, you don't push calf soreness anymore. If you got calf soreness or you got tendinosis in that leg, you sit. And that's what Anthony Davis is doing. Well, he'll play four or five games, and that could pop up again just like that. Yeah. So I don't know what to expect from Anthony Davis. I th- This is my personal opinion. I – and I did favor the Lakers to win another championship. I don't see them win the championship this year. Uh, I don't either. I don't. They will not be. I don't think they will come out of the West this year. If there was ever a year for the Jazz to spike, to peak, this year now with LeBron James and his high ankle sprain, and I, I understand we still have 30, 20 Eight twenty-nine games left in the NBA season collectively, you know, give or take a yeah. few. And we there's still a long way to go in the postseason. I just think LeBron James' age with Anthony Davis and his issues, along with the movements and trades, I don't think this Lake I thought they would be as good with Schroeder and Gasol. I thought they would. I just don't think they're as good. So I don't see the Lakers coming out of the West. Well, I will... 
if I'm the Lakers, seeding doesn't matter to me at all. Um, and I don't think it really matters to this team in any way, shape, or form. I say, LeBron, you take as much time as you need. Yeah. Even and if, Anthony. Uh, uh, yeah. Even if, because uh, this team currently, they're not going to fall out of the playoffs. They're eight games out of the eighth seed. I don't think they're going to blow that without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I don't think they are either. So I w- even if you're an eight seed, I don't care. I'd say, look, take as much time as both of you need. And when we tip off that first playoff game, come on back and let's go. But I don't, I, I don't chance it at all. If I'm if I'm LA, not one bit. Because you know, you say, look, let let the rest of the Western Conference beat each other up. These guys can park this car into the driveway, get you into the playoffs, and yeah, you might not have home court advantage for the first round, but no big deal. Give you how much time do we have left in the regular season? What, like a month and a half, two months around there? Yes. So yeah, give them six weeks, give them seven weeks, whatever they need. Uh, I don't know exactly when the Jazz regular season ends, but I know it's somewhere middle of May. So yeah, about about a month and a half. I mean, based on your timeline, that sounds about right. Yeah. Now these guys are given uh, every. They could fall. Out. They could fall. I guess they could, if, but I don't. I don't know. An eight game. I don't, I don't see him falling out. That would have to be just a horrific. Now, granted, the Lakers without AD and without LeBron are not a particularly great basketball team. But I, I have a hard time imagining them dropping eight games and uh, falling out of the playoffs. I'm just looking at their remaining schedule, and it's it's not simple. It's not going to be the easiest path for them, Scotty. Yeah. You know, they've got the Jazz a couple of times, which – you know, this really favors the Jazz, but they've got a stretch where it's Philadelphia, Milwaukee, the Clippers, Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn. That's that's a stretch that will all fall in between now and April 10th. So, so between now and April 10th, Scotty, they've got Brooklyn, Miami, Toronto, L.A., all on a five-game road trip with Sacramento in there. Um, they've got Milwaukee. Philadelphia and New Orleans. They could lose, they could easily lose six of those eight easily. Yeah, yeah. Without LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court. But look at this this road swing they go on. It's at, at Sacramento, at the Clippers, at Toronto, at Miami, at Brooklyn, at New York, at Charlotte. It's a seven game road swing. Charlotte got worse. They they just lost their star player. We'll talk about that in a good, bad and ugly. New York is going to give them fits. Oh, everybody's going to give them fits now. Yeah, this is going to be. It's they're not going to fall out. They, they're not going to. They, no, they they're not going to. They out. won't allow themselves to fall out. Yeah, but they they are going to drop down quite a bit. Yes, they are. Yeah. All right, so there you go. Talking about uh, what's going to go on in the Western Conference uh, with no LeBron James. I, I thought that was really interesting to ha- hear Hans describe. His high ankle sprain, because you know people hear ankle sprain and they picture themselves, you know, down at the 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 ward ball court and uh, stepping on it wrong, you know, and having to put some ice on it at the end of the night. You think, oh, toughen up, LeBron. It's only an ankle sprain. High ankle sprain is something totally different. And in fact, if you look into the surgery that Tua had a couple of years ago when he had a high ankle sprain at Alabama, it's crazy. It's have it's you, pretty nuts. Have you ever had one of those, Jake? Not a high ankle sprain, no. Mm-mm. Man, I had. You're right. You're. I agree with you a hundred percent, man. There are all kinds of different 
uh, ankle sprains, and some are much more severe than others. And uh, I've unfortunately had gone through that, uh, and I don't know how severe uh, mine was uh, compared to what we're talking about here, but it, it, it was bad. And it, and I agree with what Hans said. It said He said, what did he say? It took him eight months before he didn't feel it anymore. <laughs> it's true. It uh, can be very difficult. Although I do think the Lakers, be careful about the Lakers because I, if, if those two guys get healthy in time to be able to get their vibe back together, then watch out. That's not a team you're going to want to mess with. And if the Jazz finish in the top two, one of the two top spots in the West, and if the Lakers fall down to seven or eight or uh, are in a situation where the Jazz would have to play them, that would be that, – that, that's, that's something you don't, you don't want to have to mess with because I think they could be dangerous again. I don't know if they're going to win it or not. But uh, obviously, both those guys need to be healthy in order to give themselves a shot. And uh, I think it would still be a very dangerous team. I don't disagree with that. Although, if they don't get right, both of them, and they're yeah. just at 80% or whatever, the rest of that team kind of stinks. Yeah. Which yeah. is what we saw when the last time the Jazz played the Lakers, when it was the LeBron one-man show and he needed a little help, didn't get it, Jazz won easy. But think about, okay, okay so let's say the rest of the team is somewhat marginalized. But then you add those two great players back into that lineup. Ooh, I don't think that would be. Yeah, right. They're that, two that'd top be ten. Tough. That'd be tough for any team. Yeah, they're two top ten players. But right. I mean, what Manic said uh, a couple of weeks for LeBron to get back to one hundred percent. I'd be shocked if it were a yeah. couple of weeks, and I don't know <laughs> if it's going to happen. So if both those players and Anthony Davis. They say calf strain, but there was that uh, Achilles connection in there that was such a concern for them and the reason they shut him down for so long to begin with. Mm. I mean, if those two players have lingering injuries, that's going to be really impactful on the Lakers because those two players don't have a lot of help. And yeah. so, I, yeah, I hear you. If those, I mean, regardless of the circumstance, if those two players are healthy, they're going to be a contender, no doubt about it. Yes, but if yes. those two players are, are compromised, it, you know, one of those two players are compromised, it's going to be an issue. If both of those players are compromised, they're, I think they're in real trouble. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Because the Clippers, on the other hand, Gordon, hey, we agree. I like it. It feels good. Clippers, on the other hand, I'd Gordon, agree with you, Gordon, but then we'd both be right. And maybe maybe you disagree with this. I kind of don't think you you would based on our, our previous conversation. But, you know, the Clippers need Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the same way. So don't get me wrong because they're, they're two, you know, top 10, top 15 players as well. But their team is better. Yes. So uh -huh. if those two players are compromised, I think they would have a better chance at being still being contenders because their surrounding cast is so much better. I was I was. You know, I thought that Schroeder would be a good addition for the Lakers, and I think he has to a certain extent. You know, I and, thought, he is, and he's a tough one for the Jazz to cover. And I thought Harrell would be a, a, a good addition for them, and I think he has to a certain extent. But they're not game changers at all. That surrounding cast is still not is still not terrific. As much as I love our uh, – oh, why was my name going blank with our, our balding guy who looks like a, like a pro bowler. Yeah, as much as I love Caruso, I mean, he's just not a player that you want to, uh, you know, count on in in big time playoff games so i the surrounding cast i think all of a sudden really comes into play for the lakers i i well the key point you made there is if if one of those two stars 
are are not completely right. But if both of them are right, then you've got a problem. Any team that's going to face them in a best-of-seven series is going to have some difficulty with them. So, yeah. So that's really the key. Will they be completely healthy and in time to be able to coordinate themselves the way they want to be heading into the postseason? Well, this almost makes it more difficult because now now you get a situation where the guys uh, are, are – the, the, if the Jazz are going to play a team like the Lakers in early rounds, then that's not a good thing either because you're trying to avoid having to play the Lakers and the Clippers. And so if they drop to the point where the Jazz would have to face them early, then that would be a mighty challenge, I think, if they're both going. Uh, there's nothing really the Jazz can do about that, though. I mean, it'd be one thing if you were trying to play your way up the standings to try it, or even like they did last year in the bubble, and that's lose a couple of games here and there to get the matchup that you want <laughs> in the playoffs. I mean, that'd be one thing, but I mean, there's nothing the Jazz can do about that. How far is the free fall for the Lakers? What are they supposed to do, give them a player for a couple of weeks? What would happen if the Lakers were to fall to, say, five and the Jazz were to fl- fall to four? <laughs> that would be a familiar scenario as far as the placement, wouldn't it? Right. So oh, I, man. you know, if the if the Lakers fall out of that way to the seven eight seed or the play in scenario or whatever that thing is, I mean, nothing Jazz can do about that. I, in fact, I think it's likely that uh, they fall down the Western Conference standings. Do you? Yeah. Well, I mean, without LeBron and Anthony Davis, yeah, I don't think they're going to win another game for a while. But I do also agree. I forget who said it. I think it was Scotty who said that the Lakers themselves probably don't care about seeding much. They are the defending champs. And even though it is a different team this year, they've got those two players who know how to lead a team to to a championship. And so I'm not sure that they would really care about seeding the way the Jazz would, given that they haven't uh, ever really – uh, had a whole lot of success in recent years in the in the playoffs. I don't so. think it has anything to do with leadership. I think it has to do with LeBron. Hmm. If you've got a player as good as LeBron, you're going to be a contender. Yeah, I suppose. If you've well, got a, I mean, we if you've got two players that, as good as LeBron and AD, you're going to be a contender. Yeah, exactly. They could play with a junior jazz team and they'd be a contender. <laughs> That's not true, but, you know, we look back at that Cleveland team. Uh, which was sparse. You're right. Half those players couldn't make a junior jazz team. Yeah. J.R. Smith I didn't just, even know what uh, how much time was left in the game. I just wouldn't count out the Lakers too quickly. Uh, you know, it's if those two get healthy. And here's the other thing about it is you know that a player like LeBron is going to get every bit of medical attention possible for any human being. And so it's it's one thing for – a college player or an amateur recreational player to to suffer an injury and not get the kind of treatments LeBron's going to get. But, you know, they're going to be all over that thing. And he seems to be a little different than your average human being when it comes to physicality of all kinds, When it you know, and I think that also applies to probably healing quicker too, if, I, if we know LeBron right. Healing quicker? That always is that, is that giving him too much credit? I just don't know how you can control how how, how fast one heals. Who's a who's a slow healer? Well, if you conjure up some fast yeah. healing, 
<laughs> you know what? Next time I, I twist an ankle or something, I'm going to milk that thing for like six months. Have you tried those crystals? Those healing crystals? <laughs> but yeah, I stub- get them on Amazon. I'm going to use. Uh, no. Yeah, I doubt it. I'm going to use stubbing my toe as an excuse to not do like housework for like six months. And then when my wife goes, hey, you know, you could help with the dishes, be like, I'm a slow healer. I can barely stand here. No? That's a good idea. Gordon, you've never had any experience in making excuses to get out of housework, have you? Never. No. <laughs> no, that would be... Busy writing. I've got to call him. I'd By help way, you move those... all that uh, hay and manure, but I've got interviews to transcribe. <laughs> those look heavy, dear, but, you know, I'm here uh, you know, just uh, just hacking out a few... Well, extra... you look good. <laughs> <laughs> She did. She looked great. I know you said that. Yeah, uh, you did say but, that. Uh, you know, well, you know, I mean, look, as usual, you guys are painting this a little bit. You're distorting it in your, in, in the way you're constructing uh, On an unrelated note, when's lunch? <laughs> if you could put some uh, slightly brown chicken into my ramen noodles, that'd be great. Oh, stop That's it. going back a few segments you, right there. You guys, come on. So is the man. conjuring. Yeah, so is the conjuring, yeah. That's all right. All right. By the way, can I send out my thanks to uh, all the Aggie fans out there that are getting angry about that thing you posted, Austin? Uh, uh... Don't blame me. These are things you said. <laughs> I love it. Something called the Aggie Up podcast telling me I'm the most clueless media member anywhere in the world. I Isn't that it. somebody when... we know? Is it? I don't know. It's probably a couple of Aggie fans who get together and put a podcast together, and then they start criticizing media members. Give me a break. Let's anyway, see. thanks for doing that, Austin. I appreciate it. God, well, look, I forgot the – they're all over me too, Gordon, because I forgot the word possibly. It says uh, uh, Gordon wonders if USU fans should feel unwanted since Smith was reported to have been interviewed. I truly meant to put was reported to have possibly been interviewed, and they're all over my timeline. Hey, where and when did the did you know he got interviewed? They didn't interview him five minutes before. Blah 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 blah. The, but the Fans. clip, the audio clip, you gotta listen to. That's that's the point of this post. It's to be funny, not anywho. <laughs> uh, I usually don't comment so on stuff like that, but uh, they're telling on themselves. They haven't listened to the clip there, Gordon. A couple of guys get together who are Aggie fans and do a podcast, and then those are your experts. Isn't that Scotty G's podcast? The Aggie Up one? Yeah. I don't think so. Oh. I thought it was that other person we know, but that might not be it either. Hey, Scotty does an Aggie podcast, though. Will you uh, give me Aggie's a all the way, please? I think. Uh, I'd appreciate that. Me? Yeah, how about a rye? I'll give you a knuckle sandwich. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. With mustard. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Sometimes in my 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. It's time for Drop of the Day, also known as Sounds of Various Clips, and has an NCAA feel to it. It's uh, actually happened on our Westwood One broadcast. Is that right? All right. Uh, Robbie Hummel, formerly of Purdue, uh, was doing uh, color analyst work uh, for the broadcast, and the play-by-play guy led him into a, a, a story time, and it went into an interesting <laughs> direction. There is a thunderous reverberation from the music here at Hinkle Fieldhouse. The sun is setting, so we're not going to have the sunlight on the court as we have at points in this venue. But this is a historic, wonderful place for basketball, and we will see history one way or the other tonight with Ohio and Creighton. It is time for the opening tip. You played in here a long time ago, Robbie Hummel. I lost in the sixth grade AAU state finals in here. Tough. But it's good to be back, and I'm glad you brought it up. Wait, what? <laughs> the sixth grade state title? What? <laughs> do they have such a thing in, in the Indiana? Apparently. Apparently they do. And, but Robbie Hummel's done some things yeah, he, in the he, college game. Yeah, he played in Purdue. He was a second-round uh, uh, NBA draft pick. I think he was an, a finalist for the Naismith Award, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and this is where he goes to, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. He's born and raised in Valparaiso, Indiana. I'm sure he's played there before and been there and seen big games. And he goes with the uh, uh, lost when I was seven. <laughs> I, yeah, I get maybe that's the only time he's played there. But then, then the question becomes, did he set up the play-by-play guy or did he fill him in beforehand? The play-by-play guy thought it was funny. Maybe. Uh, could have been Because what if he like just elbowed the play-by-play guy as they're coming back and goes, ask me about the time I played here. Sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> he's like somebody, uh, you, you know, uh, a BYU or Utah player being asked about playing in Vivint Arena. And they're like, well, the Junior Jazz semifinals <laughs> of 1997. Show. Yeah, the halftime show. Thanks for bringing it up. It was before the. It was after the second timeout of the second quarter back in '98. <laughs> Jazz Bear blocked my game-winning try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. All right. Well, there you go. Very <laughs> memorable. Great. Very memorable hey, for him. You know, we all have memorable moments, like when I hit that grand slam left-handed against uh, the, the kids a year younger than me. Except for I actually believe uh, Himmel. I see. Hummel. Hummel. Himmel, Hummel. His story uh, I, is real. Yeah, I believe Hummel. I, I mean, he said he lost. Right. Gordon's stories he, never end with him losing. I swear, that story. That's a great is point. One hundred percent true. Tell us a story 100%. of a time you lost, Gordon. Uh, let me think here uh-huh. for a second. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, there were a few. <laughs> well, nothing I want to get into. Uh-huh. Pulled up in his Trans Am and says. <laughs> I was hey, on my, hey, was on my l- Stingray bike, okay? Not hey, gonna... little kids. Mind if I step in here? <laughs> and the other thing you said is that there was actually a coach for this random pickup game. Uh, yeah, he's that... the one who let me in. Why would he do that? I don't know. He did. It I is... think they were short. I think they were short a man or something. I, I can't remember the exact circumstance. Didn't you say it was a walk-off? So he let you in at the end of the game even though they were short? I hit a grand I, I don't know if it's a walk-off, but I hit a grand slam left-handed. He made me hit left-handed because I was a year older. Leading the, leading the witness there, yeah. Attorney Scott. Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't you say what, it was 100%, a walk-off? 100% true story. 
It's a weird thing I, for Robbie Hummel to bring up, though. I, well, I think they did discuss it beforehand. It's not quite as weird as talking about your dog getting run over in the driveway. Like that? But it's a weird thing to bring up on a play-by-play. <laughs> that? Sorry, that'll just never not be funny. I don't, I don't it's not know. funny to Sweet Lucy or, or Daisy or whatever. I think it was Daisy. Is it Daisy or was Lucy? Or Lucy? It started out Lucy, but then it was... Well, and then there's one more, the, gone. There's yes, one more yes. gone, but not forgotten. And that's uh, our Sweet Daisy, or our Sweet Lucy... Uh, at the age of 12, she was run over oh, yes. in our driveway. Oh, oh, like that? Was she run over like that? I lost in the sixth grade AAU state finals in here. Like that? Sweet like Lucy. That? Yeah. So it wasn't Daisy, it was Lucy. It was. But then, you know, did right. you see how he tried to power it through Lucy. it? He tried to power through it, and the guy. But see, see our guy Hummel him. brings up a state. <laughs> Easy. Our guy Humble brings up a state title game when he was in sixth grade. Gordon brings up some weird pickup basketball or baseball game that happened at some park somewhere. At the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Hey, we're talking about highlights of our young years. You know? I didn't even. Who has a state championship for sixth graders? Who lets a 16 year old play in a Little League game? <laughs> What's it, 16? He was on, Gordon was on his smoke break at Burger King. Right. <laughs> I was on wandered sting, over to the park and I was on a stingray bike or skateboard or something. I was just a little kid. Put put his pack of camels in his back pocket right. and knocked <laughs> that thing out of the park. I rolled it rolled it up and in then my headed seat. home. Used his electric shaver real quick to make himself <laughs> seem younger. <laughs> We buzz off these whiskers so they think I'm in fourth grade. I rolled up my uh, my Lucky Strikes in my uh, T-shirt uh, sleeve and then uh, rode on over to Grady's bowling alley. Yep, uh, that's I, I can see it. That's what it. Yes, I can as well. Hey, uh, kids! I know you're in fourth grade, but I'll buy <laughs> beers after the game. <laughs> if they were in fourth grade, I was in fifth grade. All right. I was one year older. It's like a bad reenactment of The Outsiders all of a sudden. <laughs> Pony boy over here. Oh. <laughs> Pony boy. <laughs> we all read that book, didn't we, in, yeah. in sixth grade or something? Hey, yeah. kids, go ask your parents if you can go out for beers after the game. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Stop it. We probably stopped at the charcoal pit and had, like, ice cream cones or something all right we'll have more Still next not okay getting you ready for uh, jazz pregame uh getting underway at six o'clock more straight ahead 97.5 and 1280 the zone Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got Jazz Game Night pregame show starting at the top of the 6 o'clock hour. Coach Tim Lacombe is going to jump on the air with me, and we'll get you ready for the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls. Gordon, I don't know if I would call this matchup tonight a, a, like a tough game per se. I mean, Chicago's 19-22. and 22. Not, I, I mean, overall, not terrific. I think they've got some young talent, but far from a finished product. But would you disagree with me if I called this one kind of a sneaky, tough game? Yeah, I agree with that. 
what's really weird about the Bulls is if you look at their record, they're nine and fourteen at home, and they have a winning record, if I'm remembering it correctly, on the on the road. I mean, do you think that's just you've been saying all year that home and road uh, really is not that big a deal this year? But I, I, that's that's an interesting. Do you think that's just that they've played harder teams at home, or what? What do you? Think yeah, that's just I mean, sort of a statistical anomaly. Well, they're only ten and eight on the road, so it's not like they're lighting the world on fire on the road. Yeah, either. but nine and fourteen at home. Yeah, I, that, I think it comes back to I just don't think that the home court means as much as it usually does. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'd have to look over their schedule to see exactly who they've played at home and the road, and maybe there's you know quality of opponent certainly could play into that. I'm sure. But I just I'm not so sure it, it it matters as much. You look at I'm trying to see if there's any other you know uh, home road type of thing that really stands out. I'm looking in the Eastern Conference right now, but I don't know. Maybe maybe up, it's some sort of, of flukiness. Maybe they hate Chicago. <laughs> you brought up Zach Levine, and you know I keep thinking about what happened against the Wizards and uh, obviously a team with a decidedly losing record and the Jazz stumbled all over themselves in that game and uh, Bradley Beal's pretty good but Zach Levine's not bad either so we'll right. see how it goes but it, this is I think this these are the kinds of games that are important for the Jazz to win why cuz they're better than the Bulls you're if you're better than the Bulls you know make that underscore that with uh, playing by playing the way you should against this team, and and beat them and get another uh, notch in the uh, in the win column. Real quick on that home road thing, Gordon. This is just out of curiosity, looking at this sort uh-huh. of thing. Um, the Spurs are ten and ten at home, twelve and seven on the road. Uh, uh-huh. Let's see other examples. You know the it, it's more obvious with the teams that aren't quite as good. Oklahoma City eight and twelve at home, ten and twelve on the road. Uh, the Kings are kind of basically the same, nine and twelve at home, eight and thirteen on the road. Um, Houston's the same, five and fifteen at home, six and fifteen on the road. Minnesota's the same, five and fourteen at home, five and eighteen on the road. So, by the way, Houston's lost twenty games in a row. Yes, not good. Tough times for the Rockets. Well, if you're going to go into a rebuild, you might as well dive in head first, right? <laughs> go in all the way. Yeah, might as well go for it. I mean, it's not What's like they're is, a piece away from being good again. Yeah. When you lose and lose and lose and lose like that and you don't get the payoff with the lottery, uh, then that's 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 tough. But, they'll, get, uh, they'll get a top five pick, though. Yeah. I mean, that helps. I, I hear what you're saying, you know. I'm sure they would want the, the number one pick. But I mean, usually you're getting yourself a not guaranteed top three, but if you're the last team in the league, you pretty much – you are guaranteed a top four pick, right? What what is uh, what is tricky about that is uh, the timing again is very important because if you can if you can get a, a great player uh, then good on you but uh, there are years when it's a little sparse as far as greatness goes we'll see how it is this time even around. even in the years that it's sparse though there's always one or two dudes you know what I mean and you've just gotta you've gotta be able to find them and that's the right. that's the tricky thing you don't get caught up in the in the hype of, oh, this is supposed to be a top five pick. I mean, um, uh, well, Kawhi Leonard's an example, of course. Yeah, 15. Uh, where, Paul George is an example, right? He was he was taken – Paul George was in the teens too, if, I, if memory serves, right? Or he was – you know what? Paul George was taken right after Gordon Hayward. Does that sound right? 
That sounds that right. Sounds yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think and Gordon was ninth. I think Paul George was either right after or a couple picks after. Or even, you know, look no further than our guy Rudy. Yes, number 27. Cuz who did uh, who did the Jazz take that same year? It was Trey Burke, right? Who they also took at ninth? Oh, that's a great uh, recall there. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, and who they, went they, the next they, pick? They moved. They moved up to get him. Yep. And C.J. McCollum went uh, went tenth, right yeah. after Trey Burke. Yep. So that's, I mean, you know, you know, but that I like that. I I'm glad there's a bit of a crapshoot to the whole thing, so that you know, you just you don't know, and uh, maybe the teams that have the insight and the acumen to pick the right guys deserve deserve what they get. But uh, it's not a sure thing. That's that's the way it goes. Well, that you know what I find interesting about drafts, and and I suppose you see this much more in the NFL than you do the NBA. But you think you you identify your guy, right? But you think you can get him at fifteen, and don't have to get him at five, right? So you trade right. back, or you 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 gamble with how long are you going to wait to select the dude that you think is going to be good? Like maybe maybe you think that they are the number five pick, but you can get him at fifteen, so you right. roll the dice and you wait. You know, and especially in the NBA, I would say if you think you've got it, you just go for it. But the problem is, is that when you reach on somebody and if it doesn't work out, that's how jobs are lost. Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden you fall into this conservative, you know, well, uh, um, I can explain. This Chad pick. Ford had this pick at number <laughs> six. So I know if I pick it, you know, if it doesn't work out, I could say, but Chad Ford had him at six. <laughs> what do you want us to do? You know, it, it's it's a. Like uh, like Isaiah Thomas was famous for reaching in the draft, right? And he just reached on the wrong player, so everybody thought he was a moron. But if one of those players had hit, he'd look like a genius. Yeah. But if he would have and- just played it safe and gone with, uh, oh, this is projected for us here, so let's make the safe pick and pick it because nobody can blame of a- blame us if it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I read a whole treatise on that once. It said that uh, m- most NBA GMs do not want to take chances. Right. Yep. One hundred percent. And I get look it bad too. And because their jobs yep. are on the line yep. when they do that, just like you said. So yeah. By the way, speaking of drafts, did you see today, <laughs> Jake? Uh, I've been watching the NFL mock drafts, and the last one I saw has been having Zach Wilson picked at number two by the Jets, uh, I mean, all along. And I checked it today, and now they have uh, they have the Jets trading out of that position. And uh, I think Carolina moved up to number two, and Carolina took uh, – who did they take? It, it wasn't Zach Wilson. They had Zach Wilson going uh, sixth to the 49ers who moved up to that position to get Zach. Wow, that'd be a way better spot for him than the Jets. Yeah, you would think so. Who knows, man? Nobody, they're all guessing. Uh, but, you know, it catches my attention just for fun to see what they, what their the latest thinking is. And it had Penny Sewell dropping down quite a far. Uh, I can't remember exactly what slot. I don't have it in front of me right now. But uh, But anyway. Who knows? These guys don't know. They're guessing. And some of them do have contacts with personnel people. But then again, Jake, like you always say, are they getting yeah. the correct information or right. are they getting a, a a snow job? Yep. Well, I the NFL as a quarterback, more than maybe any other league, fit is such an important thing. 
Just go go where a good fit where they're going to build around you and they're going to make smart decisions to put you in the best position to succeed. Because getting thrown into the deep end with a crappy Jets team is not a recipe for prolonged NFL success. See uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whew. Well, we'll see how it all turns out. But we're not that far off, really. It's nope. next month. Yeah, I couldn't come soon enough because it seems like there's a a new mock draft every 30 seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. All right, Gordo. Well, uh, you enjoy your evening, sir, and I'll catch up with you tomorrow. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with the Jazz. So, hope everyone has a good evening. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I knew that was about the end of it. So long, farewell, I'll be here saying goodnight. I hate goodbyes. This thing is over! That'll do, Pink. That'll do.